You know, it's so great that you found us online to check out our current series. Being a church based in the city centre of Liverpool, we know for sure that our city loves music. That's why every October we do a series called Rocktober, because we believe firstly that church should be fun, right? Well, secondly, we just love the idea of being able to play live in church some of the greatest rock classic anthems that are out there, and then maybe try and tie them into a talk that's going to be life applicable for each and every one of you. Because that's our heart, actually, to delve into the scriptures and find out ways that we can all follow Christ better together. So we hope that you enjoy our online series of Rocktober. It might come as no surprise to you that I actually don't know a lot about boxing. However, living in a house full of guys, I know a lot about fighting. And I have witnessed enough fights within my own home to know this. The fight is very rarely about the person you are fighting. The fight is usually to take possession of a something. They will fight, people will fight to take possession of an object or a territory or a title. When two people fight, it's usually to hold on to something that is trying to be taken from them. People try and take your reputation from you. In our house, it's food. Fights break out about food all of the time. But you can be having a relationship that is being taken from you, a dream, a goal, an ambition. There are different types of fights. It's not always about a physical fight. Anybody who's raising toddlers or teenagers know the fight called the battle of the wills, where you have to stand your ground because they are adamant they are gonna have their way. We have to fight our emotions a lot of the time and not give in to the way that we feel. A lot of the fighting that we do goes on in here because we want to, our flesh wants to be a certain way or do a certain thing and we have to fight to do the right thing. Sometimes we just have to fight for our reputation. Sometimes we're fighting for justice or, or many different types of fighting. But there is actually a verse in this song that I wanna major on this uh, today and that I wanna springboard a message to you from. And the verse was this. So many times it happened too fast. You trade your passion for glory. Don't lose your grip on the dreams of the past, but you must fight just to keep them alive. Every one of us does have or has had at some point a dream that you hold on to. Every single one of us has had or does have a purpose that gets us out of bed every single day. It is important for your life that you are aiming towards a something, that you are in pursuit of a goal or a vision for your life. Because then if you don't have an aim or something that you're living towards, you're gonna live life according to what life throws at you rather than living a life that actually matters to you. If anyone has ever done any kind of target practice, whether that be with a rifle at a shooting range, whether that be um, with a bow and arrow or an archery, then you will know that you have a target that you are aiming for. And the part that you are aiming for is a small red dot on the board that is ahead of you, the bullseye. 
And if you shoot your arrow or shoot your gun and you come close to the bullseye, though it may score you some points, you are not satisfied because you didn't hit the target you were aiming for. If we were to apply this principle to our lives, I would have to ask the question, how do you know you're living your best life if you don't know what you're aiming for? Therefore, every one of us, we need to have a dream that we are pursuing, a goal. We need it in many areas, every area of our life. If you're single in here today, you need to have a goal that you're aiming for in a marriage partner. Because if you don't, you will marry the first Mr. Flaky that comes along. If you don't, you will fall in love and into bed with anybody who just charms you in an instant. If you don't have an, a dream or a goal or a criteria set out, you need to have a dream for your career. So you know you can, you can climb a ladder and know what you're doing in your life. For your lifestyle, you need goals and visions and dreams for finances, how you manage your money, for your um, friendship circles. You need to have a goal, the type of people that you wanna hang around with. We need to have dreams and goals for our eating habits. Otherwise, we just open the fridge and we graze without restraint. We need to know what we're aiming for. If you do, you do not live a fulfilled life by accident. You live a fulfilled life by aiming for something. And if you miss your target, you just keep going. You just keep trying. So I want to answer the question today. How do I, how do I fight to keep my dream alive? Whatever your dream is, whatever your purpose is, I want to answer the questions. How do I fight to keep that alive? And I believe that just for giving you four simple points, it's going to help you focus. It's going to be a little bit like Duke talking to Rocky. It's going to get you back on your A game and to hopefully shake you and shape you out of a state of complacency, which many of us go in, especially as years go on in life. We think, well, I've done the marriage thing and I've had the kids thing and I've had my career thing. There surely can't be anything left to aim towards. But I tell you, while there's breath in your body, there's a dream and a purpose for your life and you need to be pursuing it and not sitting there thinking that one day it might just happen. So our first point is this, know your dream. If I were to ask you what your dream is, if I went round with a microphone and asked you, what's your dream? Many of you wouldn't even be able to tell me, especially the guys. I mean, you heard Luke last week, right? She wanted to dream, and he just looks at me like I'm an alien every time I say the word dream. But hey, it is in the lyrics of Eye of the Tiger, so it can't be that unmasculine, right? And so maybe sometimes it's the way we phrase things or we ask things. Maybe it would be better for me to ask you to describe what is your drive? What is your ambition? What is your goal? Where do you see yourself in five years, in 10 years time? What is it that you're spearheading your life towards? Ask yourself these questions. Do you know that God gave us the gift of imagination? He gave you the gift to be able to imagine. I think we're the only species on earth that has that gift. I don't ever see my dog 
imagining things. But we have a gift of imagination. And that gift is so much more than just daydreaming. It's so much more than just living in Fantasy Island in your head. But it is an actual God-given gift and your ability to imagine is the starting point of the rest of your life. What starts in the imagination becomes a dream. And that dream becomes the goal, the aim, the thing that you are pursuing. And if you're, lo- if you're diligent and if you're patient and if you continue to pursue it, you will eventually hit that goal and then it becomes your reality. You see, we, we all have two sets of sight. We have these eyes, which is what everybody looks with. Everybody sees what you see with your eyes. But we also have, besides our physical sight, we have an inner sight, which is actually a spiritual sight. So when you close your eyes to pray, what can you imagine? When you close your eyes, you single people, and you're praying over a future husband, a future wife, can you imagine yourself married? Can you see that in your imagination? Because we all have these two sets of sight. You know, in the book of Genesis, the people on the earth built this great tower. You can read the story in Genesis 11. It was called the Tower of Babel. And they built this huge fortified city and they built within the city a tower that said stretched so high that it disappeared towards heaven. And the people on the earth at that time said, let us build a tower so we too can make a name for ourselves like God. And in chapter, in uh, verse seven of chapter 11, God looked down on humanity and said this, this is just the beginning of what they will do. For now nothing they imagine will be impossible for them. That's what God said about mankind. For nothing they imagine will be impossible for them. Can you imagine? God knew the the possibilities that he put within mankind when he gave them the gift of imagination. So imagine God saying to you, because he does, what can you imagine for your life? Because it's not impossible. Because I've given you the gift to be able to imagine, to bring your dreams alive. Can you imagine being debt free? Can you see yourself married? Can you imagine what it would be like to lose the weight? Can you imagine what it would be like starting that business that you've talked about for the past decade, but you've never actually got going? Because the gift of imagination, God knew that it has to be seen on the inside before it ever shows up on the outside. In Habakkuk 2.2, there's a scripture and God said, write the vision down and make it plain. Write the vision down and make it plain. Anybody who comes to speak to me, who's going through a situation, you will all know off by heart the very thing that I'm gonna say. Find your go-to scripture, write it down, stick it on a mirror or on your wardrobe or somewhere you will see it every single day. 
Write the vision down, make it plain. There is many ways that you can do that. Whatever it is you're going for in your life, you need to have a visual of it somewhere. Either a quote or a saying or a picture. You need to have your dream set before you. This is a godly principle that secular businessmen use in the secular world too, because it works. This is a godly principle that many entrepreneurs use because it actually works. They will take sayings and quotes, images, pictures, models, and they will position them in a place of prominence where they are gonna see that vision every single day because they understand what you behold becomes. What you behold becomes. That's why if you go into an organisation and they are doing a new building structure, you will find in their current offices there will often be a model laid out of the new building that they are going to build because they are putting a vision down for the people to see the direction the company is going. They have made visible what they once imagined and now everyone can see it because that's the direction because they know what you behold becomes. What you see with your eyes, it will show up in your lives. So therefore you have to think about what you focus on, what you spend your time looking at because what you spend your time looking at is the direction that your life will inevitably end up going in. You know, I was sat at the breakfast table with my 13-year-old yesterday and he asked me um, what, what I was speaking about in the first instalment of October. And I was talking to him, we got on to this subject of um, the Habakkuk 2.2, talking about write visions down because when he was smaller, we always used to be writing scriptures and sticking them on his bedroom wall. And um, this whole what you behold comes, what you see with your eyes shows up in your lives. And he just looked at me with wide eyes. And he went, I know what's wrong with our family. I was like, please tell me, help me. He said, mom, you've got a great big sign at the top of the stairs. And it says, this family is one tent away from a full blown circus, which we do have. I was like, oh, you are right. And I actually lay there in bed last night thinking, I really need to take that picture down and say something really positive because our house really is turning into a circus. But your life moves towards the dominating pictures you keep before your eyes. If I'm driving my car and I'm intent on driving my car in a straight line, but something to my left catches my attention and I turn and I focus on what is to my left, then my car is going to mount the curb and cause all sorts of carnage because it's only ever going to go in the direction that my eyes are focused in. So... We have to be careful of what our eyes are looking at. I want to tell you a very quick story about a guy called Monty Roberts. You can tell he's American, right? Because we don't have many Monties in Liverpool. But his, his name is Monty Roberts. And I first read about him out of a book that I was reading by an author called Jack Canfield. But you can actually read Monty Roberts' story online. He, um, his, the, the backdrop to his story is his father was an itinerant horse trainer. Itinerant meaning that he moved from town to town, place to place, which meant that Monty's schooling was very interrupted, that he was constantly being moved from state to state according to his father's work. Now, one day in high school, they were having this um, lesson and they, they had to write these papers about future careers, where they, the aspirations they had in their life and, and what sort of a career they wanted to go into. 
And Monty was really excited because he'd had a dream from a child of what he wanted to do. He wanted to own his own ranch and he wanted to become a famous horse trainer. And so he wrote a seven page essay on this dream that he had to one day own his own ranch and one day become a famous horse trainer. And he handed his paper in after school and he wrote it in such detail that on the back of the paper, he drew a diagram of what his ranch would look like and he put stables and he put tack rooms in place. And uh, he even drew a, a detailed foot plan of the house that he would live in. Two days later, he received his paper back from the teacher with a great big F at the top for fail. And in red pen next to it, it said, see me after class. The teacher told him that his dream was an unrealistic dream. The teacher said, because of the itinerant home life you have, Monty, because you are undereducated, Monty, you don't have the finances, you don't have the resources. This dream is fantasiful and it is ridiculous. And I will reconsider the grade that I've given you if you will reconsider the ambitions that you have in life. So we had two days to go away and rewrite his paper. And he took it home to his father and he said to his father, what, what do I do? And his dad, being very wise, said to him, Monty, you can do what you like because it's your dream. You can do what you like because this is your ambition, your dream. However, just be careful on how you respond to your teacher because how you respond will affect the rest of your life. The next day, Monty went back into school and he rehanded his paper in with absolutely nothing changed. He said to the teacher, you can keep your F, I'm keeping my dream. Today, this day, Monty Roberts owns a 4,000 foot house on a 200 acre horse ranch and still to this day has his school paper framed above the fireplace in his house. Keep your F, I'm keeping my dream. Habakkuk 2.2, write the dream down, set it before you. Get a vision, get a goal. What do you see in your future? What is it you're believing for to show up in your life? Write the vision down, make it plain and don't let anybody talk you out of it. The second point is own your own dream. You've got to have your own dream, a vision for your own life. Because if you do not have your own dream and your own goals, then you'll start to copy someone else's. You'll start walking around in clothes that don't suit you and having your hair done that just looks ridiculous on you. You'll be living in houses you can't afford and driving cars you can't make repayments on, all because you are copying and mimicking somebody else's life. And if you live life judging God by the standards of how he's been and what he's given to someone else, you will forever live life defeated and miserable because someone is always gonna appear to have more than you. Someone is always gonna be richer than you. Somebody is always gonna be smarter than you. Somebody's always gonna be thinner than you. Somebody's boyfriend's always gonna be better looking than yours. Somebody is always gonna have the more than you. And the reason that you live life 
feeling stressed and restless, it's because God has not designed you to be someone else and mimicking someone else's life is leaving you feeling empty and frustrated. If you will just take your eyes for a moment off the life that your neighbour is living, then you will see and understand that God has purposed things just for you. There are dreams and goals and ambitions and purpose just for your life. Do you know, they say that in heaven, the worst day in heaven will be when God shows us all that we could have had, all that we could have been, and all that we could have done in our lifetime. But because we lived a life looking over the fence at somebody else, trying to be someone else, copying something else, the purposes and the dreams and the ambitions he had for your life never came to fruition. They never got to live. Our graveyards are full of untapped potential and unlived dreams. Songs that were never sung, books that were never written, businesses that never got started. Don't go to the grave with your dreams still on the inside of you because you've been busy coveting, watching and wishing that you were someone else. Own your own dream and fight for the right for it to live. God is a strategizer. Everything that God does is to plan and to order. When you read through the Bible, you see patterns in the way that God works and it's not chaotic and it's not ad hoc and it's not all over the place. He's a very detailed God of order. And every time you live your life coveting somebody else, it is disorder. And God cannot work in disorder because when you're living in disorder, you're taking your eyes off your own purpose and off your own vision and off your own goal and you're putting them onto someone else. God cannot work through disorder. He can only work through you when you are being you. Who remembers the story of David when David was a small boy and he went to fight Goliath. We know the story so well, the boy with the slingshot and the stone. However, just prior to that, when he stood up at age about 15 years old and said, I will go and fight Goliath, he was taken before King Saul. And the Bible says that King Saul tried to put all of his armour on David. And they dressed him up in the king's armour. And David said, I cannot fight looking like you, dressed like you, in the way that you do, because I am not you. All I have to offer is me. I think what David was trying to say was, look, the armour that was custom made for you does not fit me. And the sword that was made for the yield of your hand, I just cannot pick up and swing. In fact, what I'm trying to say is I can never win this fight whilst I'm trying to be someone else. And I need you to consider what it is you're fighting for in your life. Because are you trying to pray like the last YouTuber you watched? the last podcast you heard? Are you trying to mimic and copy and be someone else when you're fighting for your dream, when you're fighting for your future, when you're fighting for your health, when you're fighting for your situation, when you're fighting over your career, when you're fighting for your kids? You can only ever be authentically you. So just own your own dream and be you. Point number three, fight for your dream. 
Know what your dream is. And then put your energies into fighting for it. Put your energy into pursuing it with your everything. I mean, not just a little bit. I'm not just gonna like focus on it, look at it, pray for it once a week. It's like if it's your dream, pursue it with your everything and fight. But don't get involved in battles that are not meant for you. Do you know it is exhausting fighting a battle that you're not meant to be fighting? It's exhausting fighting a battle that God is not even in. Fighting battles, because sometimes we're fighting to keep our life away that it's never meant to be. Sometimes we're fighting to stay relational with people that are actually not going to be part of your future. Sometimes we're fighting to hold on to a position or a title that God wants you to let go of because there's something new for you ahead down the road. But we fight to keep hold and fighting a fight that God is not in is absolutely exhausting. For He alone has orchestrated your life and He alone knows what's ahead for you in your life, including every battle that you will face because you will face conflict and you will face problems and you will face battles. But according to the Word of God, He has equipped you for everything that is coming up in your future. He has equipped you and designed you and given you the gift to be able to fight your battles. You just have to know which are your battles and stop fighting the ones that are not meant for you. How do you do that? Well, you know King David... It's all about David at the moment. King David, he was um, the king and he was a war hero and he had a mighty army behind him. And when you have a look through the word of God that every battle that David was taking the nation into, he got before God and he said, you know, shall I fight for this or shall I not? In fact, in the book of Samuel alone, there are nine accounts of David getting before God and saying, are you in this God or are you not? Have you equipped me for this or have you not? Shall I go and fight this enemy or shall I leave it alone? Every single time, he never presumed, just because he was a man of God, just because God was on his side, he never presumed that he should be fighting every single battle. He knew there was some he had to walk away from and some he had to leave alone. So how about us? David knew only too well that if God was not in the fight, then he would be fighting a battle he was inevitably gonna lose anyway. And so many of us, we get tired, we get exhausted, we get worn out, fighting fights that we should have walked away from, battling situations we should have never got ourselves involved in, chasing after things we need to let go of, fighting people so that we can be liked, fighting for our value for people, fighting for our worth, fighting for someone to change their opinion about you. Can I tell you, God will not bless your life according to the opinions that somebody else has about you. God will bless your life according to what you think about you. So you need to restructure what you think about you. Consider the way you think about yourself. You know, when Joshua went into battle, he was the one who took the children of Israel into the promised land and they came up against the walls of Jericho. They had to bring down the walls of Jericho and then they knew they had a mighty battle on their hands. And God sent an angel to speak to Joshua 
And these are the two words he said, you need to be strong and courageous, strong and courageous. You wanna win this fight, strong and courageous. You You wanna live in your dream and in your promised land, you need to be strong and courageous, strong and courageous. You need a physical strength and an inner courage. The two of them are like a tag team. They go together a bit like Rocky and his trainer. It's like one has the physical fight, but he's only as good as the voice of the trainer who keeps saying, you can do it. You can win this. You can get through this. This is ahead of you. This is your destiny. Keep going. Keep on pursuing. And so, you know, there has never been a, a truer saying than show me your friends and I'll show you your future. It's a very, very true saying that. It's kind of, you know, you become what you behold. And those you hang around, you're going to be like the most. So it's really important that you have the right voices speaking into your world. Make sure you are surrounded by people who are speaking life into you, encouragement into you, wisdom into you, that are giving you good and solid advice and trying to help you to shape and define your life and push you towards that which you are aiming towards, push you towards your goal. You know, when God says that He's equipped you for the fight, Often that means, we sometimes think when God's equipped us for the fight, we think, okay, that means, you know, that I'm naturally gonna win. But when God says he's equipped you for the fight, often that equipping looks like I'm giving you choices and the choices are yours. You get to choose who you hang out with. You get to choose what comes out of your mouth. You get to choose what you give your time and your attention and your energy to. And one set of choices you make will see you defeated and fail. And the other set of choices that you make will see you flourish and grow into all that you are. You know, I, um, my husband loves to watch documentaries. I am just not that person at all. I'm like, give me a movie. He's like, give me a documentary. And so he's often got a documentary on in our bedroom when I'm pottering around. And I was listening to a guy the other week who was a self-made millionaire. And his story also was a rags to riches type of story. And this is what he said, which really kind of um, inspired me. He says, we all have two sets of friends in this world. He said, one set will inspire you to improve the quality of your life and the other set will drag you down. You know, both of them are friends. Both of them are friends. They're not enemies. But you do have friends that are encouraging and life-giving and just people you want to be around because you feel good when you've been around them. But then we've all got those friends that were like, you know, you go out and you be with that one and it's all about what I haven't got and how life is and how terrible it is and da-da-da-da and... You know, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Oh, I know so-and-so did that. And guess what happened to them? No, you shouldn't be doing that. You don't want to be going there. It's dangerous. It'll fail. Those sets of friends. And of those sets of friends, this, this self-made millionaire entrepreneur, he said, I never spend more than five minutes in the company of these people. Wisdom. Why? Because what you behold becomes. What you give your time and your energy to, that's the direction your life's going to go in. Proverbs 13.20 says, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. That's a strong proverb, but it's good advice. 
Don't share big dreams with small minds, keep the right company. And my fourth and final point on how to fight for your dream today is this, speak to your dream. Speak to your dream. Language is a powerful thing. And the shape and the state of your life is at the mercy of your mouth. It's at the mercy of what is coming out of your mouth. Proverbs 18, 21 tells us that death and life are in the tongue and that we will reap the consequences of whatever we're speaking out. If you're speaking out a negative report, you are gonna reap that negative report back into your life. But if you're speaking out a positive report, then that's what you are also gonna reap into your life. And I think all too often, we are putting too much energy into speaking out about how life is now, how the situation is today, what it's like for us in this moment, how we feel right now, and we do not put enough time and energy into speaking out about what we see in the future, what we're aiming towards, what our dream is, what our goal, because this might be what I'm living right now, but I'm going somewhere. I have an ambition. I have a drive. It's not going to be like this forever. You see, we need to we need to use the words of our mouth to describe, rather than using the words of your mouth to describe your life, use the words of your mouth to change your life. The power is in the tongue. When you live life this way, it can often feel like you're living a lie. You know, you can be speaking out a real faith statement about your finances while you completely live in the red in the bank. And it does make you feel foolish at first. You can be speaking out, and I have been there, I've done this one, speaking out divine health over your body when the doctor's diagnosis is really not good. You could be speaking out great things about your marriage and feel like you're living in hell when you're going through it. But here's the thing, the Bible says that we are snared by the words of our mouth. And that word snare means trapped. Snare is a word for a trap. In other words, every time you speak negatively about your situation, every time you speak negatively about your goal and your dream, your kids, your body, your finance, your husband, your wife, you have the ability to trap them. You have the ability to put your life within the hold of a trap. But success has a language. So Liverpool One Church, it's time to go back to school. We're gonna learn a new language. We're gonna learn how to speak in a different way. And it might sound as idiotic at first as when you first start trying to speak French or German or whatever the languages you learned at school and you can just about string two words together. But here's the, here's the reason why. In Romans 4, 17, it tells us that our God speaks to non-existent things as though they were. He calls forth what He does not see because He has an expectancy that it is gonna be made visible. So if our God does it, then why not we do it too? Let me, let me put it to you like this way, okay. I know from my personal journey, some of the things that I went through, and some of you will know this, that I had to ban certain words from my household 
words that were associated with the, the illness that I was going through. And every day I would get up and every day I would have my scriptures out before me and I would speak Psalm 118, I will not die, but I will live and I will declare the goodness of God. And I would speak Psalm 91, that I live under the shadow and the covering of His wings. And He has protected me and He has hidden me from the snare of the enemy. And I would not allow any negativity to be spoken around me or in my household, because that is how I knew to fight my fight. And you feel foolish when your life is looking one way. But I tell you, if you're struggling with your kids, if you're struggling with your marriage, change the way that you are speaking. If you were to plant a daffodil bulb in the ground and somebody said to you, what have you planted? You would say, a daffodil. You wouldn't say, a bulb. Even though it is still a bulb, you would say a daffodil, why? Because that is the way that God has wired you, to be able to see what you cannot see, but you know full well in here that a daffodil is coming forth from there, even though it is in the ground, buried in the dark, looking barren and dry right now, that one day a healthy daffodil is gonna spring forth. You are calling forth those things that are not as though they were, and if you can do it with a daffodil, you sure can do it with your life. Let's stand in here today, church. Oh.